Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. No music intro today because our, our editor is off this week on, on, on holiday, so you're, you're straight into the voices of, of myself uh, <laughs> and Nima. Um, just before we start though, Nima, um, we're actually looking for a new editor, aren't we? Yes, uh, we're looking for someone who can edit sound, edit uh, video, edit uh, images and stuff like that because the person who's doing it for us is, we love him and he's been doing a great job but he, he can't do it anymore because uh, he's got something else coming up. So if you are interested in joining the Italian Football Podcast then please contact myself or Carlo on uh, social media, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, you can you, 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 uh, go to at Ita Foot Pod, uh, and you can find uh, myself and Carlo linked on Instagram and Twitter there, uh, or send us a message on Facebook. Uh, use the DM function there. Yeah, we'll love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, big show for you today because uh, we had two massive games uh, in, uh, in that's in Serie A at the weekend: uh, Milan against Napoli on on Sunday evening. Uh, and uh, which Milan won one nil, and uh, Roma Inter, which was a thrilling match uh, on on Saturday, which uh, six goal thriller won by Inter four two, which um, strengthens their their hold on the Scudetto this season even more. Um, so we'll be um, we'll be reviewing those games, all the other teams fighting for the top four. Atalanta with another big big win. They're looking so impressive right now. Bologna who thrashed Lecce 4-0. Uh, Fiorentina also with a big win. Uh, Lazio getting a good win ahead of their game against Bayern Munich. Uh, plus the relegation race. Uh, Pippo Inzaghi has been sacked. Fabio Liberani in after Salernitana lost to, to Empoli. Uh, and uh, of course, it's the, the return of the Champions League this week with Lazio playing against Bayern Munich. Uh, so we'll be previewing that game. Also, uh, we're going to react to the the potential introduction of blue cards and um, that's going to be fun I want to hear what Nima has to say about that uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll have Baggio Premface and uh, Serias of the of the week so for all our first time listeners this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football if you want to support the Italian football podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more. Then go to patreon.com slash TIP and become a subscriber for just 2 99 a month plus VAT. And now you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. We'll provide the link in the description for the same price and same terms. And for all of you who listen on Spotify, Apple and iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. Uh, we're also on YouTube, give us a follow there. And it all helps to really help us grow and do more content for you guys. Okay, let's get into today's show. So, Milan-Napoli, the Sunday evening game. Uh, massive, massive game. More so for Napoli uh, than for than for Milan, but let's start uh, start from the Milan point of view. Uh, Milan win this game one nil, um, and they continue their their fantastic run of form. Uh, Milan, they're they're after Inter, they are the the most in well, and Atalanta, I guess those three are the informed teams 
in Serie A. Uh, and Milan have now won seven, drawn two of their last nine in Serie A. They're only one point behind Juventus, uh, although we're, we're recording this before Juventus play on, on Monday evening. Um, so Milan win. Um, Teo Hernandez scores the winner from a, a brilliant... I mean, I thought this was a brilliant, brilliant goal. And him, a fantastic team move started by by Teo Hernandez um, to Giroud to Liao. The third man run from from Teo Hernandez, and then and then the first time finish. Awful goalkeeping from Galini. Gave his, he opened up his whole mere post, but um, a fitting goal to to you know to to to, to win a, a, a you know what I thought was actually pretty high quality game. I agree. I thought it was a high-quality game too. I thought it was a very tactical game, especially in the first half. I thought Milan were were, were containing Napoli um, very well. Um, I was really impressed by Milan. They were they were they they acted very mature. I mean, we've spoken a lot this season on this podcast about how immature Milan can sometimes be, and a little bit too frantic and a little bit too open. Here they were the exact opposite. I thought they were very calm, very controlled. Um, they contained Napoli. They knew, I mean, Pioli knew what Mazzari was going to do. He knew how they were going to attack. He knew how they were going to keep, you know, build possession. And so he allowed them to have possession in very safe areas um, and didn't really <clears throat> didn't really allow Napoli to create much except for one that one chance when Clara got around the right, right side and played it into Cholito Simeone, who blasted it over. But other than that, I don't, you know, Napoli didn't really create that much this game. It was a lot, it was safe possession. Um, and the reason they had safe possession is because Pioli had completely had read Mazzari's number and, and had his team really, really well prepared. I thought they were defensively very solid. Um, not just the, the, the defenders, but also defensively as a whole. I thought the midfield was, had the, was, they had the right balance from from midfield and down. Mignon was good. He looked switched on. Um, they all they all looked. They, 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 it was a really solid defensive performance. I know Milan fans aren't too happy about the attacking performance, but I think that you know when you're playing a the reigning champions, and even though they're not having a good season, they're having an atrocious season. You still have to respect them and their attacking power, and and I think. You have to adapt to that, and 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 I saw a stat from Opta Paolo, uh, who we will, we will have reason to get to again um, this season, where it says that Milan won fifty two points after it's the third time um, that Milan have had fifty two points in the three point era after the, the opening twenty four games in the Serie A. Uh, they only did better in ninety five ninety six with fifty three points, and in two thousand three two thousand four with sixty one points. So Pioli's doing really well. Um, he's got this Milan in terms of results. He's delivering the results. And Milan are now, there is no doubt that they are finishing minimum third now. Um, and they're actually starting to look to, uh, <clears throat> they're looking upwards the table more than downwards. Uh, they're looking at Juve and trying to overtake them in second spot because they're on 52 points. One game in, uh, they've played one game more. Juve have a game in hand. We're recording this on a Monday, so they you were playing tonight against Udinese. But Juve are on 53. So Juve have to start looking down more than looking up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as... absolutely. If Milan continue the form that they're on, as I said before, I mean, they're, they're going uh, to get a lot of points. Uh, they're going to finish the season with a, with, a, with a very good points tally. 
mm. if they can, can maintain this. They're on fantastic form in, in Serie A. They were in fantastic form in 2024, only that, mm. that defeat in the, the Coppa Italia, of course, which is... Yeah, but who cares? I mean, well, to be honest, for Milan, I mean, they have, they don't really care about this tournament and they haven't even since, you know, they only won Well, no, once. but, but they, we, they'd have to win a trophy. They can't go two seasons without winning a trophy. I think that's a, that's a failure for, for a team of, of Milan's, uh, uh, you know, tradition. Uh, to, to, you know, not to go another season without winning trophies. So I think it was a disappointment. We can't we can't move away from it. It was a disappointment. So it was an objective, but but um, but uh, you know, apart from that, they've been in fantastic form in in twenty twenty four. And yeah, like you said, I thought defense was very very good, very good. Um, I thought Gabia Gabby has been very good actually since since returning from his um, he really from his, has. from his very difficult time in Spain where he barely barely played. And he's been very, very good. He reads the game very, very well. Apart from that, when he got done by Clara on that Simeone chance, apart from that, I thought he was pretty much perfect. But defenders were, were brave. They were throwing themselves in front of the shots from the edge of the area, which is all Napoli really had, shots from outside in the edge of the area. Florenzi, when he came on for, for Calabria, of course, had to be another injury for Milan in this game. Um, he put in one amazing challenge and he almost celebrated it. And I thought Teo Hernandez, as well as his amazing goal, were often critical of his defensive side because you know he's not naturally a good defender I, I thought he was excellent defensively in this game as well so they they defended really well and then going the other way yes they were playing a containing game and they they weren't being that expansive with it with their play they weren't throwing that many men forward but they were the more dangerous team they, you know they had double almost the xg of 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 uh of napoli uh, and they were dangerous on the on the counter-attack and rafael Leal was was of course the biggest threat. Him and Teo down the left, and he a great assist from Liao. He he went on some brilliant runs on the on the counter attack, um, fantastic. But there is still one big thing missing from his game, and it is starting to become very concerning. And that is just how bad his finishing and shooting is. I was just now, about to say that what his finishing, which I always thought was one of his biggest strengths. There's been a decline this season. I think it's too soon to say whether this is just temporary, and because sometimes players have really bad seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and they can recover, and and that happens. And also, usually that happens. <clears throat> excuse me. Usually that happens when players, when teams change how they play, like Milan have. But I do think his finishing this season. Well, listen to this stat. Listen to this stat, which uh, was read out on TNT uh, last night when I was watching the game. Rafael Liao's had nine shots on target this season. That, really? That is insane. Yeah, that's bad. Nine that's bad. shots on target. How many games? All season in the Serie A. All season, nine shots. Milan have played 24 games. How many of those games has Liao played? I mean, mm, I think that's most not of them. Good. Pretty much most of them. Yeah, He's had nine shots. That, that, I mean, we're looking at almost one shot. One shot. How many games has he played? Let's have a look. I'm looking at it now. He's, he's played, played 21 games. 21 games. He started he's 19. Out, nine he's shots. Played, yeah, he started. He started 19. He's played 21, and he's had nine. And, and he's got an ex. Yeah, he's he's only scored three goals. His expected goals is 3.44. Um, his goal. Yeah, his shots per game though. This is the. How, how do they? Yeah, it's, it's it's yeah. Shots on target per game is 0.5. Yeah. So like. A shot, a shot on target every two games, basically. And his shots per game, both on and off target, is two point zero. Yeah, that's that, that 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 is a bit concerning because I, even though I think that, <laughs> yeah, I know. Even though I think Milan want to 
are using him differently and he's becoming more of an assist man on the wide role, which is fair enough, that those numbers are too 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 low. There's no doubt about that. Of course. That. I think, he's I think basically need to get him. so he's averaging like eighteen shots on target yeah. for the that, season. But, I mean to be honest though, I think there's I think there's a <laughs> mitigating factor here. If he's only like if he if he's not getting into as many positions and he's you know, I, I it would be it would be more worrying if he was just not if he was getting into positions and missing them all. But it seems to me that he's generally this season not getting into positions as much, which suggests to me that it's more a structural purely issue than, of course, a Rafael Leao. I think it's a bit of everything. That's what I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a bit of everything. Also, yeah. like when he has had the chances, like the one where he where he 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 placed it wide he tried yeah. to do kind of like a Terry Henry snooker shot into the yeah. corner uh, Henri but, would always find him he's yeah. been compared to Henri Henri would find the bottom corners every time with, mm. with those and he put it wide but there was another opportunity uh, in the last few, last few yeah. minutes where I think he was offside so it wouldn't have counted anyway yeah. but he yeah. you know he tried to pass it instead of shoot himself and then that then that is a sign that it's getting to him in terms of his confidence and his mentally it's affecting him now or that yeah. maybe he's just uh, yeah that could, could, could be that but it could also be all that he is kind of understanding this new role that he's got and he wants to fully you know adhere to that regardless the numbers are too low but I, I don't want to criticize him too much because I thought he was really good last night I thought he was, he was really good but you I know was the, 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 those, those was... scoring numbers are just, uh, are yeah. just no no the goal the goals and the shots on nine shots on target all season is just not good enough uh, there's no chance you can say that's good too that's good enough um yeah. which, which is yeah. but crazy. let's talk about from Napoli's point of view now and um, this is the biggest talking point really is that you know their top four chances can we oh. say that can we say they're over now they're seven points away from four Atalanta, who will come to are on absolute fire. They're unstoppable, Atalanta. They, they're going like a train now. Um, I mean, seven points. I think now, and even I don't even know if they're going to get fifth, um, they're going to have to rely on, on Serie A getting an extra place in the Champions League this season in order to have a hope of getting into the Champions League. Do you, do you agree with that? Is, is fourth place over now for Napoli? I don't think it's over, but it's hanging on by the slimmest of threads. Um it's it's not looking good at all. I thought one of the things I liked about I thought Napoli in the first half that three five one one. I was thinking, well, if Osiman an Osiman in form in this position with Kvara kind of roaming, which he's allowed to do if he's one of the two strikers in the three five two, I think that can be really useful. But the problem is that as soon that, that Napoli make that you know it's so typical of a team that is unbalanced and, 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 and have bad confidence and, and, and are a little bit confused, which is which is confu- which is just textbook of what where Napoli are as a club right now. It's they do these brain dead mistakes the, the for the goal and then they don't recover because after that Napoli were just sterile. Um they created nothing and they didn't create much before, but they were at least they had a zest about them when they played. After Milan scored that goal, that's that's pretty much game over. Then they yeah. they they couldn't create anything. They 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 were it was there was no movement. They just had safe possession, and well, and and made life very easy. I think for, it's pretty simple to, to to analyze this game. I actually thought Napoli played pretty pretty decently in terms of the game. I, I don't think they played badly in this game, and they just lacked any punch or attacking mm. potency. Bite, they, yeah. I mean, I think, um, in fact, I'm certain they were the better team until the Teo Hernandez goal. 
and they had a decent chance uh, at nil-nil, the Simeone chance, which was their one real chance of the game. Yeah. Um, and then they went to 4-3-3 at half-time. And for the second half, I thought they played some really lovely patterns. Some of it was, I'm not going to say it was like, like it was last season, but some of their build-up play, their, the way they kept possession, the way they dominated uh, the territory, the way they won the ball back quickly, uh, the way they, they were doing the little triangles and building it up to the box, I thought was some really, really lovely stuff. But then once they got up to the penalty box, there was just no punch in attack, uh, with, in the only exception being Kvaret Scaler, who I thought was brilliant. He was going on some amazing runs. He was beating players for fun. I mean, he went past uh, Gabia for the Simeone chance. He went on one fantastic run, uh, no, two fantastic runs in the second half where he went past his man, went past Kiea as if he wasn't there. Um, he was, I mean, Clara was on it, but that was it. It was just him individually. Um, as a team... There's no punch in the attack. They don't get enough players into the box. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the only, as I said, the only real chance in this game was the Simeone at nil-nil. Simic almost scored an own goal in the last minute for uh, for which you know for Napoli to score, and he hit the post. But apart from that, I mean, Magnon, I don't think he had a he didn't have a difficult save to make. Uh, he had one where he tipped it over; it was straight at him. Uh, that's it. Napoli end this game with an xG of 0.58 in a game in which. Yeah. I thought they actually played pretty well, but they have no threat. They have no attacking threat. That's all on Matsari. We know that. We know yeah. that is all on Matsari. I mean, the number of scoreless games now under Matsari, 16 games Matsari's been in charge. Nine. Let me just say that again. Nine of the 16 games. Nine of the 16 games Napoli haven't scored. I mean, mm. it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Mm. Uh, and... You know, I've said it, I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say it. You want to keep Walter Mazzari in charge? This continues. Napoli don't get finished in the Champions League. As simple as that. So, you want to carry on with Mazzari? Carry on with Mazzari. This will continue. Because even in a game that Napoli play well, they just don't create chances. Well, that's the thing, though. I think, I think I'm with you until, like I said, I'm with you until that Napoli play well until Milan score. But then after they score, and Milan really shut Napoli down. To me, I'm not sure if Napoli played well because it was safe possession. They couldn't create anything. There was nothing there. Milan allowed them to have the ball in those areas and those spaces. And Napoli just could not have any profondità. They had no depth. They had no bite. There was nothing. Zero. Zilch. Mm. And that is on Mazzari. It is. Because this is classic Mazzari. Mazzari always, even back when he had a good, when he was, you know, in his prime, quote unquote, he he was a guy who provided the solid defensive framework, and then he had the three tenors up front: Lavezzi, Hamshi, Cavani. Here, guys, you you resolve it. He's doing the same now with Kvara, and well, when Osimhen comes back, he'll he'll obviously be a huge strength um, to that. He, he'll strengthen that, but it's still it's such an archaic form of coaching. Because football today now, all the top sides, even the mediocre sides, have an attacking identity. They just don't have that. They, Napoli have no attacking identity under Mazzari. And to to think that this is going to change magically, it will. I mean, it's sometimes, you know, they will start winning games because of the quality will show. But is it good enough to make it to the top four? I have serious doubts. I really do. Because when I look at the others, I look at Atalanta, who have a clear attacking identity. I look at Roma under De Rossi, who also have a attacking identity. Fiorentina, for sure. 
yeah. but or or you know have have an, have a, have an attacking plan. Napoli don't. They just no. don't. Sarri as well. All the other teams fighting for top four have a clear. Well, I'm not sure plan. I agree on Sarri with Lazio this season. I disagree there, but the, the but I agree on the overall point there. They have no. no... Lazio Lazio's problem isn't that they don't have an identity. Lazio's problem is that they they. Well, they La- Lazio have work. no attack at all. Lazio's is even worse than Napoli's this season. No, I'm not talking about the stats. I'm talking about the, the the identity of how to attack. Sarri's teams always have an identity. Whether or not they are able to execute it is something else. With Mazzari, there's nothing there. It literally is. Give the ball to Kvara, inshallah. That's what it is. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no goal threat at all from 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 Napoli uh, at all. Nothing. It's, it's just, it's just hope that Kvara or Osimhen will score. Well, that's score. what I mean. Quintana and that, was that's, pretty that's, good under, under Garcia, and that's it. Uh, last season, can't do that in 2024. Last season, I think they had a record number of players scoring. It's the goals yeah. coming from all over the pitch, and at Napoli this season, it's there's, there's you just. You just think, well, if, if Clara or Osimhen don't score, then then who's going to score? Uh, it's very easy and, to and defend. And contrast that. Contrast that with how Bologna play. I watched them against Lecce, and what what a clear attacking patterns of play, identity, tactics they have in both phases. Napoli have none of that, despite having levels better attacking players. Yeah. Of course, it's just like I said, some people still want to stick with him because they seem to think there's no one better out there. Well, okay, keep believing that. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to Roma Inter. Um, Massive win for for Inter, 4 2 uh, in uh, another. This was a fantastic game, it was a great watch. Chaotic, the neutral, but it was a complete chaos. Chaotic weather. (laughs) Chaotic weather. I mean, it was a deluge in, in Rome uh, over the weekend. Um, uh, horrific conditions to play in. Um, it was an amazing game to watch for, for, for the neutral. Um, but it's a huge, huge win for Inter, who now goes seven points clear um, with the same number of games as, as Juventus now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Juventus will play uh, on Monday and, and, and that will give Inter another game, give, give them a game in hand. But seven points clear. Um it's it's. I mean, we said it last week after the, the win over Juventus. Just just you know how important it is. But I mean, it is it is literally Inter's to throw away now. They've got a great lead. They're playing fantastic. They're, they they as I said, they're on course for ninety eight points. As I said in the Thursday pod, um, and their 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 run of fixtures for the rest of the season is so kind in in Syria. The only the only tough away game they now have to play after winning this is Bologna in the rest of the season. All the other big teams they have to play at home. Um, I just there's just no way I can see them giving up eight points on on Juventus. And that's if Juventus are perfect. Uh, it would have to be some collapse now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, to, no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Look, there's no doubt that after you know I, I've said all throughout the season that if Inter come after arrive post Roma away and have a minimum four point lead over the second spot, then then that's it. Um, and and they 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 are no longer the favourites to win the scudetto. They they are champions elect of of Serie A. They they now it becomes an issue of containment, of managing uh, this lead and not squandering it. Uh, and 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 if they throw this away, it's the biggest bottle job ever, maybe in football, certainly in Serie A, because when you take into account the the games they've got left, okay, you've got Atalanta, Milan, Lazio, but they're all at home, uh, and Napoli. Um, and the only difficult away game is Bologna. You you can't throw this away. If you do, you 
I don't know what to say. It's, it's a giant choke job. Um, so, you know, it's 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 simple as that. Inter, I mean, Inter have. I, I mean, just look at this run of fixture: Lazio, Napoli, Fiorentina, Juve, Roma. Five. Their five last games in two competitions. Five wins. Five convincing wins, and it's just only conceded th- uh, two goals in those five games. Scored ten. I mean, it's it's just there's no discussion here. Um, they they are they are cementing their position as as the champions elect of Serie A, and, and now it just now it becomes a situation where because from Friday and onwards they it's it's a game every three days until the 16th of March when Inter play Napoli and then it's the international break but in between then it's Salernitana at home, Atletico at home, Lecce away, Atalanta at home, Genoa at home, Bologna away, Atletico away Napoli at home, Empoli at home uh, sorry, in, in Napoli at home then it's the international break and now they go into this tour de force that Simone Inzaghi loves to talk about and they have to make, contain that all of those games Salernitana, Lecce, Atalanta, Genoa, those are you have to win those. Bologna away, I don't think Inter are going to win that because it's become some sort of a boogie team, but they can't lose that. They have to draw that at least. And then you've got the two games against Atletico Madrid and then of course Napoli at home. So look, they it, it goes into a different kind of form of con- containment now and they they are they they are they are really good. And I and what I love the most about this game against Roma was the reaction in the second half, because the first half was atrocious from Inter's point of view. They were they were poor. Inter are a passing team. They're a possession team that likes to pass the ball. And when you're playing when you're on a waterlogged pitch, the passing doesn't work, and it kind of throws Inter off their game. They didn't. They look confused. They lost their shape. They they, they lost their concentration. They were cranky. Made stupid simple, and as a result, they made sim- stupid simple mistakes. But it, but they adapted at half time. They rectified it and and came out there and and scored two quick goals and you know game over. Uh, but it was um, I have to. I mean, I I, I thought it was uh, the way that Inter reacted again is what I what I wanna what I wanna wanna what I wanna praise. And also, of course, Marcus Turam, who is becoming. Is he is he now the best free transfer signing that we've ever seen? I mean, seriously, I can't remember very many people who have signed on a free transfer and have been this good that he has been. Like, just waltzed right into the team and just had this impact, especially just in big games. I mean, you, you know, you, against For Roma, Inter, there's probably an argument. I mean, in the first season, Inter have had a lot of great free transfer signings. To be fair, over the last few years, mm-hmm. um, but Cambiasso, um, Cambiasso is the only one I can think of, both long and short term, who mm-hmm. was who was outstanding in terms of when he came from Real Madrid and what he gave to Inter. Yeah, but but Turam in in recent times in the last decade, I, I can't remember anyone who's had such an incredible for Inter, impact. For Inter, I think, yeah. I mean, there's been some great free transfers over the years. Uh, I mean, from Juventus' point of view, Pirlo, of course, he, he yeah, turned them from a joke into, <laughs> into uh, it wasn't just him. But With Antonio Conte complaining that he couldn't play in his style, in his, in his team. The impact uh, that he had. But yeah, I mean, Taram has been amazing. Um, I mean, the, the, what's so incredible about Taram is that the the main criticism of Taram when he when he joined was that he wasn't clinical enough 
Mm. I mean, he's over, way over his expected goals uh, and expected goals and assists this season. I mean, he's he's overperforming in that respect massively. Um, and, and yet so- he has underperformed Inter in terms of clinical. Like he, he has missed chances, but clear chances still. But yes, he's improved. Yes. He's improved. he's improved, but but he's 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 not recently his his finishing has been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's putting everything away at the moment, yeah. and but also he's decisive. Look at him in the big games; he's mm. turned up. And that was so funny in the game in which he's playing against Romelu Lukaku, who's on the other side. Mm. Lukaku, who is without doubt the biggest big game flop of the last decade, and mm. it's shown again in this game. He missed another sitter in this game, one on one, fluffed mm. it. That in the in a game against the biggest big game flop, Taram scores in another big game. In this season, he scored two against Roma, two against Lazio, one against Napoli, one against Benfica, one against Milan, uh, a goal and assist against Fiorentina, assist against Juventus. Uh, as good as a goal, really. It was an own goal, the own goal for Getty. Uh, um, well, as well, then it becomes one goal and an assist. Yeah, if you want to yeah. call it that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I mean, the assist he played for for Lautaro. Lautaro's got in the first game. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's let's call it another assist then. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. at the least, I mean, he forced the own goal. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then assist against Bologna. I mean, that that's <laughs> I mean, that's insane. Those are the top seed. Those are the and top they've still got to play all those teams again. Most of them yeah. before yeah. the end of the season. So I mean, yeah. it's um, you know, it's it's uh, he's been absolutely brilliant. No, well, he has. He really has. He's been one of the fantastic signings. Also, in this game, Inter as, Inter as a whole, again, a criticism under Inzaghi in the first two seasons, especially the first season when they when they when they lost the league to to Milan, is that how many chances they used to miss in games, and that used to be the big criticism. The attack is so clinical now, uh, and you know they had less than under one xG in this game. Um, Inter it was like zero point nine or something in this game. And they score four goals. I mean, they're so clinical now, Inter, with their with their finishing at the moment. Um, so if they keep this up, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, they 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 can win anyway. That's what makes them in, in any scenario. Uh, and they and like you said, they're so mentally strong now that, that that they react. There's no weaknesses in this Inter. The only weakness in this Inter team is their backup attackers. That's it. That's the only weakness that this Inter had, and that's the only thing that. I mean, it's not going to stop them winning Serie A, but that's the only thing that could maybe come back to bite them in the Champions League because those kind yeah. of things might, you know, are important later on. You need some attackers that can come on and, and maybe but make a difference. I have to that's be, the I only have, weakness. I can't yeah, that is the only weakness. There's no doubt about that. But I would be very, it would be dis, dishonest if I didn't say that Arnautovic in this last game and Alexis Sanchez have big, looked much better, much better. Um, they 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 are starting to to show they're starting to be decisive in important moments. I mean, when it when that four two goal came, that's you know that that starts that start attack starts by by Alexis Sanchez and the assist is from Marko Arnautovic. Um, so they have started to show better form. You know, we have to be honest and we have to be fair. But yeah, the, the, it is weakness. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the drop off between Lautaro Turam and Alexis and Arnautovic is is oh, like. We're talking Grand Canyon levels of drop off, but it's it's it, they have started to look better. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Before we talk about Roma, I want to talk about the Acerbi the Acerbi goal. Uh, and before all the, the 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 basement dwellers start having a go at me, I'm saying it should have been disallowed. Blah blah blah. I just want to make it clear. I'm not talking about whether the goal should be disallowed. I'm talking about the offside rule uh, today in modern the modern. Uh, interpretation 
or mm. the modern law. I mean, you, you can, you yeah, the can, mod, yeah, the modern offside law, modern yeah. offside law um, as a whole, um, which anybody that's been following me for, for over a decade now. In fact, I first got angry about it. I think in the Euro 2008 when Van Nistelrooy scored against Italy. That's when I first started kicking off about it and I've been angry about it ever since basically um, and uh, so this is a you know this isn't a recent thing I've been writing about this I wrote a, a, an article about this 10 years ago uh, which went viral uh, and so I've been complaining about this for, for a long time I hate the modern offside rule um, and so anyway what happens with with, with this is Taram uh, Taram is offside when a chair beheads him yeah. Uh, and he's he's kind of be, sort of behind the goal. He's got his his, his hands uh, on the goalkeeper a bit. Um, he's not really touching him much, but he is touching mm. him. Um, and you're going to correct me if I'm if if I'm wrong here. I saw I think I saw Luca Morelli say that the goal is good because by the modern offside rules, he's he's, he's deemed to be not interfering with the yeah. goalkeeper. In if you look at Law Eleven, it basically talks about if he's trying to play for the ball in an offside position, if he impedes a player. In an, that's in an offside position, if he's in the field of vision uh, in an offside position, and none of those, and that's like kind of the definitions of impact play, and none well, of those. Generally, generally, I agree things. that this is kind of what. I mean, you do get some that where they will give this, but generally, that they give these goals. They generally interpret. I think De Rossi said it best. I mean, he said, "There's no way on earth that this is offside." His criticism was, however, that. He what he talked about was that inconsistency. Think, yeah, yeah, that's what he was talking about. I don't think anyone can have any complaints about what he's saying because the lack of consistency is a huge problem in Syria. Yeah, yeah. But so, so just to clear that up, generally the modern and this this is what I have the problem with. Generally, the modern interpretation is that this is not interfering with play. Yeah, and you've read out the law there, right. uh, and 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 it's a goal. That's not my issue. You know, in fact, when I tweeted it out and I had all these basement dwellers complaining, oh, you're being anti-inter and stuff. You know, I actually tweeted it out when Roma were two one up, so it had zero Im- effect on the game anyway. Even you know, so anyway, just to put that aside, my my issue is, and I've said this, there is no way an attacking player can be offside and touching the goalkeeper and it be deemed as not interfering with play. I mean, I'm I'm saying that this should always be offside. If you are touching the goalkeeper, you are interfering in my interpretation. Also, in this in this incident. Mancini is the one that actually ge- genuinely impedes Rui Patricio. Watch well, he's Mancini's a defender, movement. so he doesn't count. Watch, 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 watch Mancini's movement. He moves towards Taram after yeah. after he's impeded him to mark him because he's looking around for Taram. So, so he that is that je- then that means that Taram is interfering with play because because Mancini is looking around for Taram. Um, the goalkeeper also is going to sort of know. You know that the goal that 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 Taram is 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 around him. So there's no way that that can that shouldn't be interfering with play. I mean, my my interpretation, not everyone will agree with it, is that we should go back to the offside rule offside rules where it's simple, it's black and white. Anybody <laughs> no, who is offside, never. Anybody who is anybody <laughs> anybody who is offside is offside because you can make the argument that anybody. Is, I mean the one the, the 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 modern offside rule that drives me mad the most is the passive offside rule, which allows players to be offside in the first phase of the attack and then score while onside in the second phase. And the biggest example of that was what Ruud van Nistelrooy used to do. Ruud van Nistelrooy used to stand about twenty yards in front of the the, the offside line, right? Then a ball would get played out to the wing to the to, to the wing. Yeah. 
to a winger. The winger would then cross it first time into the box, and Van Nistelrooy would be would on be on side. would be on side. Now, the 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 the, the modern offside law tell, tells us that Rude Van Nistelrooy is not interfering with play, hmm. which is absolute bollocks. How can you not be interfering with play if you then score a few seconds later? I mean, I because, think it's, ab- no, it's no, absolute it's bollocks. I don't I don't think I don't agree. I think if one of the few things they've actually gotten right in the modern game is is this new 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 offside law. Because I think they've managed to tweak it. I hope they don't change it. Just leave it as it is. This does not need to be changed. Because they've they've basically acknowledged and enhanced the point that it's the ball that decides whether or not it's an offside or not. Like they've really like underlined that point. That the player's position is always dependent on where the ball is and when the ball is played and in which direction the ball is played and so on and so forth. I think that's a very I think it's that's that's a that, that that correctly show, and it shows an understanding of the game of football because it is the ball that decides always the position of the ball, the timing the ball is played, the direction the ball is played that decides whether it's an offside. So I think they actually got this right. Um, I I just think that the thing is just to stop you then, you can show me any incident of of a player being offside in a in a supposedly passive position yeah. or supposedly a position mm. where he's not interfering with play and I can come back and I can show you that that he is he is actually interfering with play because even yeah. if you take the most extreme example the most extreme example let's say a player is standing way out on the touchline yeah in an offside in a in a in an offside position uh and um he's but he's you know he's he and you, and you say well he's not interfering with play and the ball gets put in the box at the very, at the, I could argue back to that, and this is an extreme. Uh, this is an extreme one. I could argue that at the very least, that player is taking up the attention of a of a defender who's having to watch him. So that defender it moves away from the from the action, and is has to go over the defender. And that player is then out of position, and the ball gets put in the box. That player is is focusing on the player that's in an offside position, and as a result. The, the the attacking team scores because of that. That is interfering with play because yeah, if that but play that wasn't depends, offside. Yeah, but yeah, but that's the thing though. You, you have to understand what interfering with play means and is how it's defined. And it has been defined now. But well, I have a problem with how it's defined. Yeah. That's my. Well, that's I get my that. Issue. I just yeah, I know, I know. I I think they've actually got it right. I think this uh, it's one of the few things that IFAB have done which I actually agree with because the 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 emphasis of offside is now more on the position of the ball, where it is, when it's played, the direction it's played, and the players have to kind of focus on that more than just you are in an well, then we're not marking, we're, then we're Then we're not marking players anymore. We're just, we're marking the ball. Everybody's just ball watching them, basically. Well, no, not, ball, no, no, it's, it's partly ball watching, but it's also awareness, split vision, which is the, the 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 difficult part of football and 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 raises the skill and, and requirements it's, for me there's there's way too much benefit now towards the the attacker and this is this is what has killed the, the art of defending when people complain we complain mm. more than anything because we grew for me, up it's on tackling it's the tackling that that's more the, the offside law has been the, outlawed tackling they've outlawed tackling. the biggest the biggest how to tackle the biggest anymore. reason why defend the uh, the art of defending has died is because of the offside law that's the mm. reason. It's impossible, impossible no. to defend. It's for impossible. Me, it's, you, me, cannot it's more, de- you cannot, you cannot defend anymore with a passive offside. It's impossible. impossible no, you can. To no, you can. It's the problem is the tackling. They they basically banned tackling. I mean, we we've gone from a situation where assault was okay on a football pitch, which was ridiculous, one extreme to another. We're now 
the tackling. You can't put. I mean, but back in the like, teams, teams would be able to play the offside trap. You can't play the offside trap. No, it's impossible. I mean, mm. Milan, the, the greatest defense we've ever had, Milan with Baresi and, and Costa Curtis and Tazotti and Maldini. You know, they used to play. Uh, they used to charge like the cavalry up, play the offside trap, and catch mm. catch defenders, catch attackers offside. That's impossible. They couldn't do anything like that nowadays. It'd be impossible. Mm. They can see tons of goals. You know, to, well, uh, to be honest, I think I think it's it's it, I think it puts more. It requires the skill set of the defenders, the read of the game, to improve. And I think that that has happened. My problem with with the pro, with the, with defending is is how you're not allowed to tackle basically anymore in football. Every single challenge is now scrutinized and prohibited because they want more goals. They want the the Messi's of the world to to shine. And and I I get that to a certain extent. Again, like I said in the 80s when Maradona was physically assaulted every game, that was an extreme. I mean, what's his name? Gentile <laughs> in, in 1982 set a world record of the time, how many times he, he harassed Maradona in like yeah, four I know, but we're talking about individual defending. But I I'm agree. talking about, I agree the I'm, tackling, but what I'm talking yeah. about team defending. Team defending yeah. is as a unit. I mean, it's I mean it's killed defending. It's absolutely mm-hmm. killed it defending the offside one. This is just an another example. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna just before we finish here, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go all Vladimir Putin to Tucker Carlson and give a little bit of, <laughs> give a little bit of a history. Give a little bit of a history of the offside <laughs> of the offside. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Um, so I'm not going to go back to to, to 800, 800, 800, 800, just to, to clear, be clear that that means that if a player was if a player was level with the last defender, mm. um, he would be offside. You actually yeah. had to be behind the defender. That was until 1990. Then they changed it after the 1990 World Cup that that players level with the last defender or the second last defender, if you if you include in the goalkeeper, were on side. Now that was perfect for me. That is where it should have stayed. They should have kept it at that uh, and and continue. But then. From 1995 onwards, they that's when they they started rewriting the laws in order to just to basically kill defenders, and uh, they they brought in this this passive offside law, and and then there was multiple revisions after that 2003, 2005, 2013, until we got to kind of where we are today. And there's been a few revisions since then, but basically where um, yeah you can be passive uh, and you can be deemed to be. Um, not interfering with play, and uh, even if you're offside, they will, yeah, they will, will allow that goal, and, and that is what I have a problem with because I, I feel that you can show me any scenario on the pitch where you can say, oh, that player wasn't interfering with play, and I will argue that there he is interfering with play because at the very, very least, he's occupying a defender or he's taking a defender out of position, or you know, um, so I have a problem with it. I have a problem with with the passive offside rule and. Um, yeah, this 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 incident yesterday highlighted it, and um, I just want to finish off on a quote from Franz Beckenbauer, the late Franz Beckenbauer, and he said, um, "This was about ten years ago. In my time, the offside law was very simple. Offside was offside. It didn't matter where the ball was. It's nonsense now. The active and passive offside is too complicated. We have a problem. We should stay away from complicated expressions and go back to making it simple." That's okay, exactly Boomer. My- 
okay, boomer. Like, come on, stop. Like, I, I, no, no. Like, things evolve, things change. Not no, always no, for no, the no. This is not evolution. This is this <laughs> no. Is, it is, this it is, is deliberate sabotage no, of the no, game no. by iPad. <laughs> Sabotage! Yes. Come on! It's not this is This is IFAB wanting there to be more and more goals, more and more chaos because it sells to neutrals and what, what I call four-year fans who never watch football that only want to tune in and see loads of goals. So they, nah, they want to kill the actual... Nah. They want to kill I've, defending. No, nah, I, I think this is one of the few things they've actually gotten right because I think, again, it shows an understanding of the game. It shows that the ball is the, the main thing. It's not the position of the players only. There was too much emphasis on the position of the players before. Now it's more and showing an understanding of the game of football that it's the ball, the position of the ball when it's played, its relation to the other players. That's what's decided. That, that that's what is the most important thing, and it requires the players to improve their skill sets, their awareness, their split vision. So I, I it's raised the the quality of the game actually. I think, but in both phases. So I, I I think this is one of the few things they got it right. My issues are with stupid things like blue cards or banning tackling altogether, essentially, and every single challenge is, oh, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. That's what I have a problem Okay, with. well, you've mentioned blue cards. We might as well talk about it now. Oh, we were going we to talk is... about it after. So this is the news that broke on, was it Thursday or Friday, that the, the IFAB, the International Football Association Board, who basically introduced the new rules, uh, laws of the game, um, that they were they were looking into introducing a, a new blue card as part of trials of basically sin bins in football, like what what we have in rugby, where and ice hockey as well. And ice hockey, you're, you're, I don't know how long you, it's ten minutes in in rugby. How long is it in two in minutes? Hockey? Unless it's something really serious in ice hockey, then you can get like five minutes and ten minutes and shit. Okay, like well in rugby it's ten minutes. I think they, the the plan was to do the same in football, and it would be for arguing with the referee, like being offensive to the referee. And uh, and for also for, for cynical fouls, so fouls like what Chiellini did to um, to I hate that to uh, ju- Saka in the that. Euro final. I hate that. I hate this. This is a stupid, stupid idea, and it, it is even more ruins defending. Look, it's it. If you, you sometimes you just kind of have to accept. Like there's an aspect of it of the game that I don't want to change. This is, you know, making cynical fouls that aren't dangerous or reckless should be allowed. It's just as simple as that. It should be. It's, the, the law as it is today is really good. If you're, you know, dog so, the dog so law, I really like it. You know, it, it makes sense because, you you know, you shouldn't be able to to do to do to do denial like of a that. goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, for, exactly. For people or, that wondered what dog. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and and also what Luis Suarez <laughs> did against in the World Cup in South Africa against Ghana, like that red card penalty, like all of that is good. There's no need for this. This is stupid. It just, it just, it's, it's more the. But it's been widely mocked. I mean, all the managers have come out and said a it's a circus. Joke. This yeah. is circus level. This is again. Yeah, this is what I mean. This is just an extension of what I'm saying circus. about about you know the, the passive offside. They want to make the game as chaotic uh, as possible. They want to kill defending because they want more goals. They want more chaos. It's simple. This is this is mm, what they I hate. This, this. this is it's what so they want dumb. in football. They don't want teams to be able to defend, and they want mm. they just want chaos. And also. The other thing, which is clear, is the other thing I've been saying about IFAB, who I detest, by the way, is mm. IFAB have to justify their existence. And, their, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and the only way to justify the existence is they have to change the rules every game. They have mm. to make changes to the game and change the rules. Because if we had the perfect set of rules in football, which we could easily have, by the way, yeah. we could easily have, what would be the, what, what just IFAB wouldn't be able to, wouldn't need to exist. 
if you create the perfect set of laws in football, which you can do, you might need the odd little tweak here and there now and again. Mm. But if you could set the the, the, the the perfect set of laws in in football, IFAB wouldn't exist. There'd be it w- wouldn't be able to exist. It would it would mm. go bankrupt. Mm. There'd be no funding. Nice. There would be no. It wouldn't be exist. So they have to justify their existence by creating new stupid I, new rules, and I, then they make mistakes with their, their rules and then they have to change the, the rules yeah, they've made mistakes like the handball rule like they've yeah. done with the handball they've ruined the handball rule it, there's complete chaos and confusion now with the handball rule and, and, and it's just or the law and, and it just it drives me mad and and it's I just think this is some of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life the blue yeah. blue card it just take it away I don't want to hear about it stupid <laughs> there was this nonsense there was a talk about making an orange card or something between you know the red and the yellow. If so, yeah, if I remember that. That's fine, but you can clarify those lines, right? Those between yellow and red, straight reds and, and yellow. You can clarify that. You can make that even harsher. But blue cards and you know five minutes out and ten minutes out—that that's just nonsense. Yeah. And the I game already is is already two stop start as it is. I mean, already yeah. like if you actually look at the number of minutes that the ball is on the field, it's it's yeah. like about sixty minutes. Like yeah. like a third of the get of games are. Uh, the ball's out of play, you know, when it goes yeah. out for throw-ins and corners and yeah. stoppages and things like that. So then you add um, substitutions, which they've now extended to to five substitutions. I know it's still three. It's still three times in a game that each team can make. I think, a that's, a, I think that's a fair um, balance. That's but a you, fair you add the substitutions. Yeah. I know, but it still takes extra time for five players to come yeah. on rather than three, even if it's in three instances. It still yeah. takes, still, still, it's still increasing the number of the stoppages. So you've got that. Then you've got the VAR. And there was a there was an incident yesterday which was a complete joke in the Atalanta game. It took five yeah. minutes for them to, yeah. to decide. But well, that was the, a tricky situation. So yeah. you've got all these stoppages already, and now they want to include in, 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 uh, introduce sim bins. I mean, it's stop start, stop start. I mean, what is what what is it? Is the Super Bowl? I well, mean, we can have. No, but if we can gonna, have. Uh, we can yeah. have. Uh, 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 adverts after every five minutes, and oh, yeah. and, and we're going to have um, uh, Janet Jackson flashing her in the in you know <laughs> halfway during the game. I mean, w- I mean, w- what are we? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just this is just, this is just a joke. This is no, I, I hate the blue card thing. Um, I, I think it's a joke, uh, and I think it's a it's it just needs to stop. Like this, I can't imagine they will actually do this. I you know it's also possible to have blue. There's no need need to have the same laws of the game at professional level that you have at semi-professional and amateur level. I think blue cards at amateur and semi-professional level might actually be a good idea because the referees are so exposed. Well, they are doing it in amateur level. Actually. Yeah, well, that's good. Keep it yeah. there. Keep it there. There's no need to put it into professional. Like, keep it down yeah. there because the referees down there need that help. Oh, yeah, they get assaulted, basically. They get assaulted yeah. and harassed yeah. and attacked. So, uh, you know, we have to understand that there is a difference. I would have never non- I would never have been on the field if they were Yeah, well, exactly. you see? <laughs> you just proved my point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I but think I got sent off. I got sent off about five times for just for, <laughs> just for, just for uh, insulting refs. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, this is what I mean. Like, at the lower league level, at youth team level, I think it's a good thing to, sh- to teach younger players discipline, not to insult the referee and all that. Use it as a tool in in those areas, but there's no need to go anywhere near professional senior level football with this nonsense. It's 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 ridiculous. It is. It really. Um, is. I do want to talk about Roma though. Yeah, let's I discuss from the Roma point of view. Yeah. See, I I thought I thought it was a good performance from yeah, Roma. Me um, too. I, uh, De Rossi said before the game that he wanted Inter to come out of this game knowing that they'd been in a game and, and they knowing did. who Roma was. He said, "We all know and who Inter is. We want to." See. And they did. They did have they a game. They, they, Roma created chances. They competed. 
They had spells of dominance in the game uh, in the in the first half, especially, but also a spell in the second second half. Even though Inter were clearly the better team in the second half, they they rallied for a good kind of ten minutes in the second half when Lukaku had the, that that huge chance. I thought they showed some good attacking patterns. Atta- again, attacking patterns that we definitely never saw under Mourinho. Um, there were lots and lots of positives. Obviously, you know they're not quite there. They 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 defensively they 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 weren't good, uh, and they they made mistakes and they weren't able to keep it up consistently for the whole game, which has probably been the biggest problem under De Rossi so far. That they've been good for like forty five minutes of games, but they haven't been, and then they've been not so good. And then the second forty five minutes, we've seen that in three of the games now. But mm. I thought there was lots and lots of positives when you when you take into account just how strong the opposition is. Um, I thought um, I think Roma should be should take a lot out of this game for the rest of the Absolutely. season in, in the top four race. Absolutely, um, and also Pellegrini as a left centre mid, as a mezzala to the left. That's his position now. He needs to play there. Um, I I thought he was up until the point where he was substituted. I thought he was the man of the match. I thought he was outstanding. The way that he dictated the midfield, the tempo of the midfield, controlled the midfield against Inter is. It's just you know tip you know tip your hat well done. Yeah, it suits him when they're playing passing passing gate passing football, doesn't it, Pellegrini? Like keeping the ball and and and. No, but bit... Luciano Spalletti must be over the moon. Yeah. Because with Tonali gone, with 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 Jorginho and and Verratti, well, Verratti's pretty much an ex-player now. Um, with with all the problems they got in midfield, having Pellegrini show that he can play as a left centre midfielder in the middle of the pitch. And being effective as well, that's important. Yeah. Like he got two ass- two assists in this game. Yeah, it was two. He could have two had a hat-trick. Yeah, and, 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 and he had three goals uh, and an assist already in the first yeah. three games. So that's, yeah. that's in four games under De Rossi, he's got three goals and three assists, I yeah. believe. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. No, it's, it's really good. And he was he just starting to show what a player, what quality he has. And I'm thinking for the Euros... He has to play, regardless if you play a three-five-two or a four. We've got a question on that in the Q and A, which yeah. I really want to get into. Me too. Um, but I mean, regardless, yeah. if it's a three-man midfield and Pellegrini has to play left centre mid, Barella to the right, Locatelli as the regista, mm. that to me is the cornerstone from which it, Italy should build. Whether yeah. it's a back we three, just hope he or stays back fit because he yeah. gets so many injuries. But yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I, I love Pellegrini. I, I thought he was just wow. He really blew me away. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I thought I thought El Sharawi was 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 excellent again as well. Yeah. Um, he's playing really well uh, under, yeah. and he's a really important player for Roma as well because mm. because with Lukaku and Dybala, as we said, you're going to get no uh, defensive work contribution or, or, or pressing or anything like that with those. So El Sharawi's got the energy, and he runs, uh, and he's you know he's he's uh, he's. Yeah, he's he's been effective as well himself. He scored mm. a really good goal and he went close yeah. as well earlier in the game. And and I thought he was really really good. He's very very busy. He works so hard. Uh, he tracks back. Uh, he's he was really really good. Like I mean, I'm not sure talking about Italy, he's Italy level. He's, show, he's showing leadership qualities mm. on the pitch, um, and and he wants to be the leader at Roma. And he's showing that he's mature enough to be the leader at Roma. And the and, and qualitatively moving forward, I think he was he was really good. Now I, this 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 has been the perfect thing for for Pellegrini, the the De Rossi appointment. It's really unlocked him, and it's kind of very typical Roma, isn't it, to have you know one Roman you know hero, you know unlock and unleash the the future of Roma uh, in 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 Pellegrini. 
You know, it's you know every club has its identity, and this is Roma. Roma needs to have a local Romanista who's come up through the youth ranks at the club that the fans can identify with. That used to stand in the Curva Sud. They used to stand outside of you know the training ground and 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 and, and want to have photos with. I them. think he's got more goal contributions in the last four games under Rossi than he had for like a year under yeah. <laughs> under Mourinho. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, in the identity of Roma, yeah, it's no, important no. for them to have Pellegrini, someone like Pellegrini. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just just on the him. negative, two negatives good. for me. Um, first of all, Lukaku. I mean, as I said before. No, he's finished. He's I mean, cooked. I said it last week. He's, he's, he's it, it's over for him. I mean, you've seen. It's not just this, this last week. It's, it's for months now. He looks like an ex-player. He did start he's the season mean, well, but yeah, he's been bad. He's, he's on bad, bad. And, bad, and bad, he, bad. he, and he seems to find reality seems to finally have caught up with him too, because he was what was it a couple of weeks ago when they were starting about how Saudi Arabia is the next, you know, is, is is the next frontier and bigging up Saudi Arabia as everyone was leaving Saudi Arabia. So I think he, I think reality has set in there and. And 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 he's he's he understands that his time at the highest echelons of European football is is over. Well, even when he was in the, the upper echelons of European football, he was always a flop in big games. Always, mm. always a flop. And this is another. I bet, honestly, I don't know even know in the history of the game there's been a bigger big game flop among supposedly top players. I'm not going to say he wasn't a top striker. He was a top striker. Yeah, he he's was. Goal scoring record. Not... He's a top scorer in Belgium. He was, but. In, when it comes to big games, my God, there's never been a, his record is awful. There's never been a top player with, with that's been with a worse record than Lukaku. He is the. I, I, in fact, I'm going to say it. He's the biggest big game flop in football history. Find me another one. Anybody listening, find me another one that was, that was worse in big games than, than Lukaku. I don't think there is. I don't think there is one. Hmm. Because Ibrahimovic, they used to call one, but he he used yeah, to do, but... he used to do it in domestically. He was always he used did perform in the big games. He, he used to flop in the big games in in the Champions League, but in, in but domestically, Lukaku flops in all big games. <laughs> flops. Well, in... <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Sweden was hardly a big game flop. I mean, look at the goals he scored against the big nation, big, big teams, international. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. But yeah, in the Champions League, of course, he was very disappointing. There's no doubt about that. I think he'd be the first one to admit that. But uh, no, no, look, I, I can't remember anyone off the top of my head that you say about Lukaku, but it, it does really feel Lukaku is it's it's not even you can't defend it anymore um is and and now he's look i think you know now that his body's looking cooked as well like mm. he looks finished and i think the reason why he does that is because again i think a big guy like romelu if you've you've played 15 years 16 years first team football with a big body like that putting so much which requires so much out of your body he's made of flesh and blood. He's a human being, he's not yeah. a robot. And and that is going to take its toll. Mm. Um, so I think it's 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 that simply. And yeah, yeah, he's he's leaving Roma. There's no And also way. Rui Patricio, uh, we've said it before, I mean he's the oh, worst goalkeeper in the God. league. He's a disaster. He never makes any saves anymore. He lets everything in. XG of under one in this game because he's four goals. I mean that's basically him for last. Mm. For last, I mean I don't know if, I don't even know whether I'd get rid of him and Britain the second goalkeeper. He's that bad uh, and and for everything I said about the offside, um, I mean, he's still, I mean, he lets in a, lo- a really basic looping header like that. I mean, that's his fault as well. I mean, it's awful goalkeeping on that goal. Um, yeah, awful. We have to move on, Rob. We're on an hour. We're going to have to zoom through the rest of the, the show. Um, so Atalanta first, they march on. Uh, they thrash uh, Genoa 4-1, it finished. 
Superb performance, scored four, created loads, some great goals. There were three amazing goals, three amazing left-footed goals in this game from De Ketelaer, Malinovsky and Coop Miners. De Ketelaer, he's on fantastic form, another great goal. Coop Miners, what a free kick he, he scored. El Bilal Torre comes on. I forgot about him, completely forgot mm. about him. You know, he was their big, really, their, in many ways, a big, exciting summer signing along with Schimaka. He comes on on his debut and he scores. Uh, it could have been more. Martinez made some ridiculous saves in, in this game, but for Genoa, uh, Atalanta are on fire. It was three world class goals. Mm. It was, you know, Malinovsky's rocket, uh, Coop Miner's free kick, um, and Charles de Kettler. I mean, what a goal! The, that that was that was truly special. That finish, um, and and his overall play was was good as well in this game. It's it's interesting. It's so I'm so happy for him because I've I, I do I've always believed in him. I always thought there was a player there. I think I just think that the move to Milan was too soon, too much, too quick. Um, it was too big of a step, um, and now he's in a situation. Uh, he, he's at a Milan. He's at Atalanta, where they're allowing him. It's, it's it's not as much pressure. They're allowing him to to kind of come into his own. Um, and look, you know, he he's he's he scored ten goals across all competitions now, uh, in, in in and and made six assists. In fact, he is after Bukayo Saka, the youngest player in Europe's top five leagues to have scored six goals, made six goals and six assists, uh, in 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 the in, in the leagues. Um, so now he's having a wonderful season and he's recovered really really well. And above all. I mean, if there ever was any need to prove how important confidence is for any athlete, look at Charles de Kettler now, just with just four months ago. It's night and day. He looks like the he looks light when he moves, he looks happy. Whereas four or five months ago he looked like the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's relaxed. And you know, that that goal he scored. I mean, Gasparini was applauding him even. Yeah, even fantastic. a cranky bastard like Gasparini's mm. made him happy. Yeah. So rest of, um, rest of the top four. Uh, I'll read through the other top four related games. So Sassuolo won, Torino won. A result that doesn't really do good for either team. Fiorentina thrashed Frosinone five five mm. one. Gallo Bellotti's first goal for Fiorentina. Screamer from from Nico Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, Fiorentina get a first win of twenty twenty four. Frosinone now conceded more than anyone in, in Serie A. No surprise there. Uh, Bologna thrashed Lecce 4-0. Um, excellent game. Orsolini, two goals. Odgaard with a debut goal. And Zirksi, unplayable. Zirksi. unplayable. Zirksi. He's unplayable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to ask you what you... Does his first touch of the ball is one of the best first touches I have seen? It didn't used to be either. <laughs> it's like... It's like what the hell have you seen? What he does? The, the his first touch is 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 a joke. It's it's ridiculous. The way he and it doesn't matter in what position he is as well. It's it's just the the way he takes on the ball and 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 in one one foul sweep, one move when he receives it, he can do whatever he wants with it. He shifts his his low center of gravity. Is he? Is he are we getting to the stage now where we we're confident in saying he's ready for? 
a Milan into Juve. Well, if he's going to play, well, based on this season for sure, maybe the goal scoring isn't high enough. Yeah, I think his shooting needs to improve. He doesn't. He doesn't hit the ball clean. He doesn't hit the ball cleanly enough. No, but I think you can. I mean, if if it took Lautaro, then nor did Zlatan didn't either necessarily. Yeah, neither did Lautaro for a couple of seasons. And look at him now. No, but this guy is just his first touch, his link-up play, his vision. I wonder if if uh, if Bayern just don't take him, just take him back, just take him back, like pay the whatever and just take him back mm. because he is he's 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 ridiculous. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's playing at a ridiculous level now. He's he's ridiculous. I mean, the Zlatan comparisons always seem crazy, and they probably still are. But, mm. <laughs> but I mean, there really, really is does remind you of Zlatan the way that defenders just about like the way he protects the ball and and. and and, and oh, he's he's incredible. He's unplay. He is he was he's unplayable at the moment. He really is. Uh, and Lazio win three one at Cagliari. Really important win for for Lazio ahead of the buying game. Um, but Immo- the big story is Immobile, who becomes the mm. third. Well, he scores his two hundredth Serie A career goal. He was really good in this game as well. Actually, by the way, his movement was fantastic. Mm. He becomes the third fastest player in history to reach two hundred Serie A goals in three hundred and forty one games. Um, which is uh, pretty amazing. He joins a very select group of players that are on uh, 200 goals, and that makes him the the. I think he's is he eighth now in the the all time list. Um, I believe he is. Mm, well, yeah, only, it should uh, be because there's only eight Kurt players who achieved the feat of 200 goals. So yeah, yeah. Kurt uh, had 190 Serie A goals. Yeah, I mean Kurt had 190 Serie A goals, and he was in ninth. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, he, he should be eighth. But yeah, I mean, look, 200 goals in 341 games, only in terms of the third, you know, the third quickest, fastest forward to reach this. I mean, slower, just Giuseppe Miazza and Gunnar Nudal reached 300 in, in, in faster, in, in fewer games. <laughs> it's, that that's just, you know, that's where football was was still amateur level, um, without, with all due respect to Miazza and Nudal. But when when you do that in the modern era, that that's so impressive. And you, you take into consideration that he's done it playing for Genoa, Torino, and Lazio, that it makes it even more impressive. Um, no, you, you gotta gotta give. He deserves more respect, and I and I and I keep repeating this point every time we talk about Giro Immobile. I keep saying this, and I really firmly believe this. I think he is one of the unluckiest players of all time because if he had been born 10 years earlier and he'd been playing in an era where the number nine role was different to what the number nine role is when he played and had his peak, he would have played for the best teams in the world. He would have scored in the Champions League. He would have probably had a Champions League uh, title to him. But because of the fact that he played in an era where the number nine role was different and he can't play in in a sole striker role, I really don't think he can. But with a two in a two man attack, as was pretty common back ten some ten years earlier, then I think he would have had much more respect. I really, really believe that. Yeah, you said that. You have said that before. Um, and the relegation race, the big relegation game, Salernitana one, Empoli three, and Davide Nicola's making miracles again. But the big story is Inzaghi. Pippo Inzaghi is sacked, and Fabio Liberani is in. Monto nil, Verona nil. But um, I mean, I think Salernitana are gone and. No, they're gone. You can't I, really blame them for get rid of Inzaghi. I mean, he's he's yeah, he was unlucky at the start. Like they were very unlucky for a while, but now yeah. things have fallen away now. Really, no. This this was last chance saloon. I said it. I think on Thursday um, in the in the patron only pod that this is this was this was last chance saloon. 
Salernitana. They needed three points against Empoli and, and they got zero and now they're on 13. They've got six points up to um, to safety and it's not it's not a lot, but for them to overtake... It is overtake, if you're a relegation team. Though, yeah. Well, exactly. And, and you have to overtake Cagliari, Udinese, Verona, Sassuolo, you know, all these teams who are thereabouts. Um, mm. I think we can count Salernitana. It's only two spots now and, and it's going to be between Cagliari, Udinese, Verona, Sassolo, Empoli and Frosinone. I think, I think Salernitana and Cagliari, are, uh, I, I can't see them staying up. Um, mm. But who knows? But if you Verona never, never stay know. up, is just, mm. wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Champions League back this week. Uh, only Lazio playing and, and, and uh, Europa League back as well. Yeah. Uh, last 16 Champions League, first leg in Rome, Lazio against Bayern Munich. I mean, look, we're, we're giving Lazio, we're not giving Lazio a prayer of going no. through, but in this first leg... I think they can win it even by one goal. Like, that can happen. But the problem is, there's a return leg in Munich yeah. where you're going into a centrifuge. I mean, I think yeah. in but order for... They're having Napoli... some issues right now. They, they lost 3-0 to Leverkusen yeah, at the weekend and they were horrible. They got battered in, in that game. Mm. And they might not even win the Bundesliga this, this season. Well, they've won it eleven years in a row. So I mean, at some point, that 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 that's that, quite that, fun. I, I am enjoying all the mocking of of, of uh, how Harry Kane. Harry Kane and Eric Dier Dier join and uh, Dier join, and they turn Bayern into Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the Tottenham the is so strong that it even kills Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. Um, no, but look, it's. I think in order, for, I think Lazio could even possibly theoretically win this game by one nil or two nil. I think if Lazio are to go through, have a prayer to go through, they need to win this game. They need a three-goal cushion going to Munich. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, exactly. So, so I think. I know, think could... I think they could potentially potentially could get a draw in this. I, I, I yeah. I, but then again, you know, Bayern, Bayern are, are not. You know, they they've got gaps in the team. Their defense they is do. not good at all. Uh, I mean, if, if let's hope Eric Dyer plays again. <laughs> and um, he kicked the ball in someone's face, his own player's face. The other how, day. What that signing makes? So basically, they bought him because he's Harry King's BFF, right? I mean, uh, that's I how it so, just yeah. comes across. That yeah, it's like you know, Harry needs a friend in Munich. He doesn't really speak the language too well, so let's bring in his friend so he's got someone to talk to. Yeah, that's how if that signing feels like. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does. There's you can't tell me that Eric Dyer actually is is good mm. enough to play for Bayern Munich. Harry and Eric. <laughs> Harry and Sally. <laughs> exactly, Sally and Harry and Sally. Yeah. And, and, and in the Europa League, Europa League, we've got Feyenoord Roma on Thursday in the in the first leg of the Europa League knockouts round playoff. And uh, that's in Holland. And then Milan-Ren uh, also at San Siro. And these are going to be tricky games because both of those two teams, Feyenoord and Ren are, are arguably the most informed team in Europe. They've won yeah. eight games in a row. That looked like a really great draw at the time for Milan, uh, yeah. and now they've won eight in a row. But you know, Milan are in great form as well. So, so yeah, we need Milan have got to go through that. And Feyenoord, order are difficult. I thought they were good at the start of the group uh, and really dominated Lazio, and, and they're in good form as well. And they're a tr- they're a they're a tricky team. But obviously, Roma have had their number in recent years. So. Big, big games. I think that's going to be chaos. Roma, Fiorentina, Feyenoord. Well, it's going to be chaos with the fans. The Feyenoord fans yeah. are absolutely insane. <laughs> no, but but Roma, Feyenoord has turned into this weird little little tie, and the energy between them is mad. So, and and now you know Mourinho used to you know he used to spark things up before the game, but now De Rossi's just opened the floodgates. I think this could be one of those crazy games. 
complete batshit crazy games where it could be high scoring 4-4 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, watch out for that. But Milan, Ren, look, yes, Ren, Ren are in, in form, but come on, Milan have to get to at least a semi-final. I mean, that, that, that I do expect from Milan. I really do, especially given their position in the Serie A where they are comfortably third. They're in, you know, they're safe. So they, I, I really want them to go for this. I yeah, really me do. too. Um, okay, let's finish off with Badjo Premface and Serie Ass of the Week. So Badjo, first of all, um, who have you got for Badjo? I've got Charles de Kettler. That, that game, Genoa-Atalanta, the goals in that game are mad. Nico Gonzalez, fantastic. But I have to give it to Sebastian Hallier who comes back from cancer, testicular cancer, and scores the winner in the in, in AFCON to win it for Ivory Coast less than 12 months after receiving treatment for, for testicular cancer. Mm. Like, that is just... That is an unbelievable achievement. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic so, so achievement. Uh, and that brings me on to Premface, because uh, I'm going to say that whichever Roma fans were abusing... Uh, Acerbi about his testicular cancer and calling for him to die. Well, yeah, you're uh, you're the serious of the week, let's say, as well. So, <laughs> and Acerbi um, responded to you uh, in a in a fitting way, let's say, sticking his middle finger <laughs> middle finger up at you. For me, um, this, yeah, that, that is serious of the week. But the serious of the week is also Opta Paolo on Twitter or X. Listen to the, I mean, English grammar is my passion. Stefano Pioli equals Arigosaki as the fifth AC Milan coach with the most benches, considering all competitions. Bloody hell, must have a big house. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, so a big gym. He collects furniture now, does he? I mean, they just literally just translated that verbatim from, from Italian. Yeah. Like, he just collects the most benches. So why is he collecting benches? Mm, benches. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that was just like, I was dying. Um, and, and then Gotha. Ben what does Gotha yeah. mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was weird. It was, weird. but they always like opta, for some reason. This has been going on quite a long time with them. They they just Google Translate stuff, and and it's just like, come on, a, a big company like Opta. Surely they can find someone who can speak. Well, maybe they got English. the same guy that runs the Serie A account. <laughs> he, he runs them both. Runs them both. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, prem face. Um... Joe Biden saying that Mexico is on uh, Gaza's, Gaza's border, border. Yeah, that was and mixing was... up the Canadian and Mexican presidents, calling yeah, the Mexican president yeah, Assisi. Cool. I love that. Yeah, that was very funny. Um, and Gary Neville's little rant uh, with Roy Keane and who else was it? Who was a Rio Ferdinand there as well, or was he? Not no, there? somebody else. I, I can't remember yeah. who it was. I can't remember. Who it, was it wasn't Rio. Was, no, we were saying that Italian teams he played against were. They, they, there were some Italian teams we played against that we felt were doped up, uh, but we can't. You can't go around accusing people after he just went around accusing people, um, and I, it was just, it was just so, it's such an incoherent word salad, um, and it's like <laughs> those bloody Italians again, eh? <laughs> like it's just that the energy around him and Car- Carragher was there, I think, yeah, because Carragher was the one who said it. Well, of Italian course, Carragher teams. was there. Of course, Carragher yeah. was there. I mean, yeah. I mean, those yeah. two—they're like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, aren't they? I think between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tweedledum and Tweedledumer. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's. Uh, no. That, anyway, that let's leave it at that. Anyway, um, we will be back on Tuesday, Tuesday. for the Q and A. Um, we've got some really good questions this week, uh, and then later on in the show, uh, later on in the week, we'll have. Um, uh, Thursday show reacting to Lazio in the 
in the Champions League against Bayern Munich. Big yeah. win for Lazio coming up. Yeah, come on. Let's, let's hope let's hope Chiro, Chiro the hero in Europe. Yeah. Let's hope Eric Dyer's playing. <laughs> oh, he's just he's just jinxed him. He's gonna score now against oh, Lazio, isn't he? No, listen, there's no witchcraft power, powerful enough to, to get Eric Dyer to score, let's say that. Well but, your yours your witchcraft and, and Patrick Kendrick's witchcraft is is powerful. I'd say you're very powerful witches. Hmm. The Anglo Neapolitan witchcraft energy is, is very powerful. I mean, it's crazy to me. He said before the game to me privately that Acerbi was going to score and that Inter were going to win 4-2. No way. Yes, he did. Oh and and God. that is mental. So he, he is a witch. He is a, he's oh, a witch. Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah. That is, right. Should have put a bet on that. He would have won big money. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. We'll see you in the week. Have a good week, everyone. Ciao, ciao.